Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Rachel, I have a story to tell. Oh, I love a, I love story time. Go ahead. So this popped in my head, and I can't remember why. It happened in 2002. Okay, we're taking it way back. I asked the fellas, and it was either 2001 or 2002 that this happened. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're leaving the club. Maybe it was 2000. Maybe it was a little bit before. I can't remember. We're leaving the club. There's a party at the club. We're leaving the club. We're feeling good. And that sometimes happens in Baton Rouge. I'm okay. sure it happens at Fuel City as well. There was a fight. Two guys are getting ready to fight. And it doesn't look like it's going to be a good one. One of the dudes was gigantic. Okay. But not just gigantic in a like, this is a big dude way. Like a gigantic in this, all right, man, we got to do this. We got to put our best foot forward and get busy. But, you know, it's going to be a huge dude, dreads, goals in his mouth, the whole nine. In Baton Rouge, it don't matter. You got to fight. You got to fight. And we saying that. Like we drunk, we looking at the we looking at the smaller guy, regular guy. I I didn't know this dude. I didn't know the bigger dude. This dude was not in the club with us because the clubs that we go to, you have to dress up to get into them. That was a thing back in the day. It's, I guess it's not a thing anymore. The clubs we went to, you had to have. You couldn't wear no sneakers. It was like yeah, upscale dress, dress code. So you couldn't. So this guy wasn't in there. Whatever had happened, it had, either he knew him from somewhere else or whatever. So he get ready to fight. And we and we talking our shit. We like, hey, bro. Hey, bro, you got to handle yours, man. You got to handle yours because the big dude is going crazy and the other guy looks a little bit like he looks scared. It's like, hey, bro, fuck that shit, bro. Give a fuck how big that nigga is, bro. You got to handle your shit, dog. Handle your shit, bro. We doing that whole thing. All of a sudden, the big dude starts talking. And like he has like a voice and it's coming out like a fucking dragon. <laughs> and this is a big motherfucker. Okay. And, he, and, he says, and he says some stuff that makes everybody change their mind. I'll never forget this. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to whoop you, nigga. I'm going to whoop you in front of all of these people. And after I whoop you right here, I'm going to fuck you. And we were like, hmm. And he was like, yeah, nigga, I'm going to whoop you and then I'll fuck you. And his boys was laughing. He's like, them niggas know I don't give a fuck. I'll fuck a nigga or a bitch. Shit, I don't give a fuck. I'ma whoop you. I'ma fuck you, nigga. I'ma fuck you right here. You about to get fucked. I just remember like a hush came over the fucking crowd. Where's this going? Cause we were all like, it might not be worth it. You know, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that that changes the dynamic a little bit. You know what I mean? It's it it, it, it was before, if it's like a you you see, here's the thing, and this is the thing. You don't know whether or not this is okay to laugh at but you know because it's like it it i I was thinking to myself i remember i was thinking to myself well now i didn't i didn't sign up for that outcome so i'm thinking to myself if you want to run i think it's okay uh because the consequences here seem pretty pretty upsetting and i don't know why this popped in my mind i was writing I don't either. And it popped in my mind after all of these years that the moment was 
it was really illuminating for a lot of reasons. Number one, I've never been more scared of a human in my life than I was at that guy at that point. I was like, that's not, you know. And then number two, I was like, oh, well, that might be the first time I've ever heard like a man say, hey, I like to have sex with guys. Well, that was the way he was going to sexually assault him. No, but think of what he think of what he said in front of his boys. His boys was laughing. He he said they niggas laughing because they know I'll fuck a nigga or a bitch. Okay, he did say that part. So it's kind of this moment is wrong because it's rape, you know. Yes, but it's also progressive because. Van, I cannot jump on this with you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. It's okay. So look, it's wrong. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's wrong. I'm not saying it's not wrong. It's wrong, but there was, in a way, he's brave. No. It, it, it I, it, that pales in comparison to the fact that he was not only going to physically assault this man, the threat of physical assault, but the threat of sexual assault. I know you know it's wrong. But I can't even see that he just admitted that he's also, you know, likes men and women. I can't even see that part because I'm focused on the fact of what he's threatening to this guy. I can't even look at him like, oh, but you know what? It was progressive. I can't go there, man. I can't. I can't even. <laughs> Where is this? Why, why did this story come about today? Because I was I was writing and. What are you writing? I'm writing. I'm doing. We're doing a movie. We're like, I'm, I'm, I'm just writing making a movie sure, right like, now. Why with this? Oh, Why? because it was the question was, has there ever been a situation in Baton Rouge where somebody just came out and talked about their sexuality like a guy? Like, and they just said, hey, I'm gay. And that was something we were writing the scene. And I was like, no. And then I was like, actually, kind of not necessarily okay. gay, but like there was this one time this guy got Context super mad. Helps. And he was like, and I just thought about the fact that I'd never, I hadn't thought about that as, as many stories from back home as I've told. I didn't tell that story. And this is because I blocked it out. Donnie, jump in real quick. Donnie's back. Donnie, do you see what I'm saying? Is this moment not the most problematically progressive moment that you've seen? Do you understand yeah. where my mind is working? I, I see exactly where you're coming from. Because like when I think of the word progressive or progression, you think of new moving forward. That doesn't take out the fact that what he said and how he said it was wrong. It's like he's wrong in a progressive way. It's a new way <laughs> to be a, a, a violent, a sexually violent person in a brand new way. So I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Donnie. It's wrong. It's definitely wrong. I know you know it's wrong. I just, I, you know what I would appreciate it? A little bit of, not that I would change what I said, but a little bit of context before. Because <laughs> you just oh. go into the story and it's like, oh, there was this question that made me think of this, that I had thought about this story. You know, just, it would maybe it would have softened the blow. I could still like feel the moment, man. I just remember when he said that, because he obviously had been drinking. You know, you got that Hennessy sweat smell. He obviously had been drinking. He's going back and forth. This nigga was big. I'd say probably like, probably like 6'4", probably 260. 
You know what I'm saying? Just a huge. And I, I didn't know, didn't know where it come from. Like, yeah, nigga, talk that shit to me. Yeah, I'm gonna whoop you, then I'm gonna fuck you, nigga. I'll fuck a nigga up, bitch. I just remember okay, the way he we, hit we bitch. We heard it the first time. He he hit bitch like with hard. It was like, I'll fuck a nigga or a bitch. And now the third. And I and 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 I was like, <laughs> and I remember at that moment we was like, you know, nah, if you want to run, we support it, bro, because you're gonna get whooped. Did he run? I don't know what happened. You ran. I don't know. I think I think maybe I think maybe we did bounce because maybe we was like, okay, well, I don't want to see somebody well, get. Don't want to stay <laughs> for this. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, like, hey, hey, y'all think Taco Bell open? <laughs> hey, good luck, dog. We out. Um, having said that, how was your how was your weekend? Hope that young man was okay. <laughs> Twenty years later, maybe they okay. got maybe they got married. Who knows what could have happened. What did you ask me? How was my weekend? Yeah. Super lazy. Didn't do too much. Me and Brian. Uh, yeah. You know, the weather. I'm in LA. You're not. Mm-hmm. So you, I don't know if you, you weren't here at all for the weather. You went. I flew out Sunday morning. Okay. Well, good thing you flew out. You flew out just in time. Um. Yeah. Like the weather didn't really allow us to do much this weekend. So, you know, we just kind of hunkered down and chilled, did stuff around the house. Uh, did it get really bad? I was talking to Kalika. I guess it didn't get that bad. It's it's certain areas, right? Like we were fortunate. We we got a lot of rain, but not flooding. I mean, walking out in the neighborhood today, I see some trees and like limbs and stuff have fallen, but we were really fortunate. I did feel the earthquake though. I did feel How, the earthquake. Did you like it? And that was... No, I mean it's 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 weird. It's a, the the con the, the whole earthquake thing is just weird to me. The chandelier started shaking. I was like, "Am I moving? Am I tripping? Or is this happening?" And then Copper wanted to fight. Like Copper starts barking, like he wanted to fight the ground. And I was like, "Oh, okay, it is an earthquake. He feels it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a weird day yesterday. Yeah, earthquake and hurricane situation come back to back. Some people were, you know, it. it the whole hurricane thing and the whole thing around it mildly triggering for me, even still. Hurricane. Yeah, it's like because you yeah. know, hurricanes come and it's like you think it's gonna be a hurricane, and then there's no hurricane, and then we thought that that one hurricane was going to be a hurricane like any other hurricane, because I've been through so many hurricanes, and then it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it out. It was a like if you ask Kalika, I, I was I, I had to fly out. We couldn't bring the dogs the whole nine. But I was hitting every fucking thirty thirty minutes. How are things? How are things? How are things? Mm-hmm. Every fucking minute. How are things? I knew it was. I knew it wasn't gonna be shit. But just hearing people talk that much about a hurricane is just. I thought I moved away from it. Like it's just like yeah. you, you know. And it wasn't about, it was like, I moved out here, uh, I, I moved to California, should I say, like, right after it happened. Oh. Like, it had been, yeah, like, right after it happened. Like, it, I had a little bit of bread, it happened, I was there maybe, I don't know, three or four more months, and then boom, I left. You know, so I thought it was like, you were already oh, out here. Hmm. Nah, no, I was, I was there for Katrina. Mm-hmm. Katrina. Um... We got a big show today. 
We got Mark Lamont Hill on the show. Okay. I should have told him the story. I'm glad you didn't. I don't, I, I feel like. We had enough to talk about. I get you. I get you. And Donnie solidified it. For, I, I get you. But we got enough to talk to Mark about. We don't need That's to bring fine. him into that conversation. We talked about we, we talked about Sage Steele, which we're going to throw to at the beginning of this break, give Rachel a chance to cook on Sage. I know she loves her. We talked about Sage Steele. We talked about the Green Party. We talked about a lot of different things with one of the smartest men. Isn't Mark smart? That's ridiculous, yeah. bro. Smart and funny. Explains things in a way that's like... It doesn't have to be up here. It's on a level where everybody can understand it. It's engaging. Yeah, he's he's great. Uh, I remember one time I heard him talk about vulgar Marxism. And I was like, God damn, this nigga knows all the different Marxisms. And I went and looked it up. Um, Big Show, on the other side of the break, we'll talk a little bit about Sage Steele. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. All right, Rach. Sage, Sage Steele is on a biracial barrage. <laughs> Beige rage in the fullest effect. And I talked to Mark, who she got in a tiff with on Twitter about in a second, but she's left ESPN. She's gone. It's over. If you guys aren't familiar with Sage Steele, she is a uh, black lady, biracial lady, should I say, on ESPN who has come under fire sometimes for her conservative viewpoints. Not necessarily her conservative viewpoints, but more so the way she expresses them. She talked about Barack Obama one time. She's been very anti-vaccine. She sued ESPN about all kinds of stuff. People don't like some of Sage's stances. They feel like some of the stuff that she says is anti-black. She's left ESPN. (laughs) Um, She's going to exercise her First Amendment rights more freely. She will be on Fox. That will happen. Uh, she went on the Megyn Kelly sto- uh, show, said all kinds of stuff and stuff, different stuff. She claims that people say she's a sellout because she's biracial and not because of any of the things she says. We're gonna talk, we talked to Mark a little bit about this uh, a little bit, uh, a little while ago. But Rachel, what are your thoughts on Sage Steel? I know that you have some history with her. Yeah, past. I mean, I, I have explained my history 
with Sage still before on this podcast, and I talk a little bit about it in the interview with Mark. I Sage is it's so disappointing to me. Like she's such a hypocrite, and she's so full of contradictions, and she tries to disguise it all by saying she's just exercising her First Amendment rights. But like, if you look at when Sage still has spoken out before, when she talked about Colin Kaepernick, she said that he has the right to do what he wants to do. And there are repercussions for that, right? He's going to do what's best for him and he can express his opinion for his brand and his career, but there are repercussions to that. But now she can't understand why there were repercussions repercussions for her with ESPN or even the way that people reacted to the things that she said. She Even with Jamel Hill, she said that Jamel Hill, you, she, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to her, but she said something like, you have to try to abide by the rules. Well, that's exactly, Jamel Hill spoke out about something. She spoke out about something. Jamel had to abide by the rules, but somehow the rules don't apply to Sage Still. I just, she's, she's just, she just goes so hard to me, to other herself from black people. She wants to say that, you know, black people attack her and they call her a sellout, but a lot of the stuff that she stands for or the certain things that she says are very anti-black. Last thing before we get to Mark, because you guys, in the conversation that we're going to have with Mark, is really going to take us through the rest of the podcast. We talked uh, Cornell West. We talked the Green Party. All the things that we were going to discuss on the podcast today. We got literally a podcast interview with Mark, and it was good. But I want to ask you one more thing before we get to him. The stuff that we discussed in terms of race and racial identity as it relates to Sage Steele or anybody else, we just we jump into it in the interview. There's complexity to it. And that complexity has to do sometimes with uh, one of the most fundamental things about our experiences as, as human beings, which is how we want to show up and be seen in the world. It's not something that's necessarily easy to, to, um, to discover. I mean, a lot of people spending their whole lives trying to discover how they want to be seen and how they want to show up. So it's something that we do approach mostly, mostly with some degree of grace. What do you feel like is the thing that happens to where we should and we are okay to turn that grace switch off, right? Like, because... There is a point where it's anti-black. Yeah. There is a point to where it's it seems like you're using the word black as a pejorative. And we're going to get into all of this again. You got to hear some of this stuff again, guys. But uh, but I just want to make sure I want to get Rachel on her own here. What do you think is the point to where we're okay, to where we're like, you know what? Now there needs to be some accountability for what you're doing and how you're showing up and all of that. What do you feel like that point is, if that's even a ping-ponging around in your mind right now? Well, I mean, I think that Sage is an example of it because time after time she's used her huge platform to to separate herself from blackness and reinforce ideas that are also anti-black. So I, I, I think Sage is where that grace disappears. I dislike to me that it seems like you'd rather separate, like other yourself rather than try to understand or connect to 
the Black community. I have an issue with anybody who does that. Um, I do think that there is grace there because you are navigating the world as with, with parents that don't, you know, parents of two different races, you know, you're being told this, maybe you grew up in this certain situation. I do understand that there's grace for that. I can't imagine, I don't know what it's like to navigate the world as biracial. I don't, but I guess my grace falls off a bit when you become an adult and I feel like there should be a desire and curiosity to understand both sides. So like you'll hear in this conversation where we talk about both. I am not a person who believes, I, I believe you could say I'm this and this, but what I don't like is when you say, don't call me that, but you have no issues being affiliated with the other side of it. That's my thing. And then I have an issue when you pretend that you're down and you're not. That is fair. And that takes us to our interview with Mark Lamont Hill. We're going to talk about a whole podcast worth of stuff here. We're going to talk about Sage Steele. We're going to talk about how biracial people show up, sometimes maybe weaponized. We'll talk about it. We're going to get into it. Hold on to your hats. We're going to talk about Trump, the Green Party, culture vulturism, all kinds of stuff on the other side of this break with Mark Lamont Hill. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, we have a very special guest on Higher Learning right now. Um, it's just, I'll just be honest with you. I'm going to be real with you. And he probably wouldn't say this about himself. Just one of the smartest motherfuckers on the face of the planet, man. Like literally one of the few people that you can watch them and actually learn a ton of shit. Author, activist, professor of media studies and urban education at Temple University. Uh, Host of BT News, The Grill, Al Jazeera, formerly of CNN. I first saw him on Fox News. That's actually true. <laughs> uh, a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. So them shoulders work overtime. <laughs> um, um, also, the author of a new book, Them Versus Me, My War Against Biracial People in America. 
<laughs> Dr. Mark Lamont Hill joins us today on our learning. Mark, how you doing? I'm good, bro. Can we talk about the biracials for a minute, man? Like, just for a second. Because the, 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 the frustration I have, man, and look, it ain't got nothing to do about it. Look, shout out to anybody out there who's biracial. That's your business. It ain't got nothing to do with you, really. You can't, you, no one controls how they get here. But the fake angst from people like Sage Steele about how they are being uh, dragged and criticized and bullied because of their curls is like so ridiculous. And it allows us to ignore the actual issues that people might act, might have. She went on Megyn Kelly's show and, 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 and talked about, you know, finally having the space to be courageous and talk about how she's been called a sellout her whole life for being uh, biracial. And I was minding my own business. I might have like retweeted it or something. Uh, because I thought it was funny that and her talking about getting trashed by Barbara Walters backstage uh, on The View. And I'm like, she's 85. Like, this shouldn't happen no matter what. Right. I can't even be outraged. But she then tagged me, me and uh, I think Professor uh, Roxanne Gay, you know, saying that we don't know her experience. How dare we doubt her? And so I've been I, I spent the last day or two on, on the Internet and my mentions are still in shambles. There's a whole lot of biracial sympathizers out there. Uh and again, I'm not counting biracial people. I'm counting the people who are making this about being biracial. Mark, wait a minute. It's just the way you 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 phrase it. Just, you're just effortlessly funny. I know you're not. I know you're not doing that. But but you are. Wait 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 wait. wait. We got to name that. First of all, we want to say something right now. This has to do with Sage Steel. This is not a, a a black biracial thing at all. Like is at all. At all. We understand that there's a thing, but the way Sage weaponized it yes. was inappropriate. And the statement by racial sympathizer, that's hilarious. <laughs> so so Sage still so you went through with Sage Steel and Sage still essentially used the fact that she's biracial. She weaponized that to say that right. that's the reason why people might have an issue with you, and you took issue with that. Yeah, and why people might call you a sellout because it 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 makes sense to people who don't think, right? If if you were to read the statement she's made, her history, of you know talking about black people, black this, black that, um, her refusal to identify as black, she's saying I don't identify as black, right? I'm biracial, and she said I don't know why Obama would identify as black. His black dad would nowhere be around. She's playing on all the tropes. That's why people call you a sellout. Um. It's it's life choices. You know, our history is filled with biracial heroes. Black people don't make distinctions. Like, I don't walk around thinking, oh, Obama's the first biracial president. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. You know, um, even Drake, you know, I identify as black. He does shit I find irritating at times. But I don't attribute it to, like, his white. He's just a black dude. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Who does light-skinned things, right? But but not biracial things. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I don't I don't I don't make a distinction. Black people don't make a distinction. We got so many people in our family who've been uh complicated who who's who, who's whose biological ancestry is complicated. We don't race is about how the world reads you and how you navigate the world. And blackness is the thing. You're you're not biracial to the cops, you're black to the cops. You, mm -hmm. you know, and so for her to reduce that and, and, and go out in front of white people, right? To go on these majority white platforms and conservative platforms and, and construct black people. As somehow the ones who uh, are holding people hostage to their color, uh, or or that black people are somehow denying complex racial makeups when we've always embraced it. it's white people that made the one drop rules, white people that don't like 
biracial is white people that, that, that have historically said, no, nah, if you're too much of this or not enough of that, you don't count. Black people have never done that. We've embraced the whole tent and we continue to. I, we love, I, there's nothing about Sage Steele that I dislike in terms of her racial makeup. It's her politics. It's the anti-black mm. politics. That's all. Mm. I, you know, Sage is, I, I have my own experience with Sage um, that mm. I detailed before on this podcast and it is the anti-blackness. Like she she ran up to me and was thrilled that I chose somebody that wasn't black on The Bachelor. And she in a in a group of people was just real loud about it. It was embarrassing to me. And she's somebody I actually looked up to because I I'm a big, I love sports. And so I would see this black woman doing her thing in sports. Right. But what Sage feels, and I'm not gonna mention somebody else, but there are other people who are biracial who don't like to necessarily identify as black she's like talking you, about Tasha from the bachelor so <laughs> i'd like to Stop go it. home now <laughs> i'd like to go home <laughs> i hate fan my co-host doesn't have my back anyways who don't who have an issue with being identified as as just black even though they may they may be black presenting they have this issue do you feel with and not all biracial people feel this way you named you named several that 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 don't do you feel that that is a form of self-hatred is it a you know i think that becomes complicated uh i think in practice, yes. Yes. In practice, I think most people who deny being black, who are biracial, are doing so because they've been fed a steady diet of anti-blackness and white supremacy, as we all have, and think that identifying as black uh, is somehow problematic, dangerous, uh, that, that it diminishes who they are. And so they would hold on to at least half of something else so that they don't have to be all of this thing that makes you a social pariah. That's in practice. Now, in, in the abstract, in theory, I could imagine someone who says, I don't want to be hostage to uh, American racial logics. I don't want to be hostage to a history that says if you're one drop of this, then you're all black. And it doesn't matter that the rest of your family was white or vice versa or what have you. Right? I don't I could understand somebody wanting to do that. I could understand somebody, particularly people like I'm going to use Sage one more time, not to beat up on her at all. I have no issue with Sage Steele as a person. But if you say, for example, um, I was raised by, you know, let me take Sage Steele off the table. I don't want to get into her biography. Um, if a person says I am raised by a white mom, I was raised around white people. Um, and I identify with their stuff, their culture, their identity. I grew up in a place where there weren't many black people. M whiteness is just as significant to me as my blackness. And they're framing it as a personal choice. I could understand somebody wanting to do that in the abstract. The problem with that, of course, is that that's not what race means. And that's not how race means. Race comes to mean something not based on our individual choices, but how the world responds to uh, our bodies and our language and our skin color and our hair, all under bodies in some ways. Um, and so you got to accept that. Like, even if you might feel really white inside or half and half inside or whatever the thing is, to the world, you are black. And by definition, you are black. And, and to ignore that is only at your own peril because you're going to still navigate the world and they don't care how you feel inside. Hmm. <clears throat> 
So I want to name something, and then I want to ask a question to everybody here. One, I want to name the fact that there's nobody biracial that's comp- that's talking about this on this podcast right now, because there are a lot of people listening going, hey, these are three non-biracial people that are talking about an experience and talking about something that we're not there and our perspective and some of the things that we might have been, been through aren't being talked about. I want to say that and then I want to ask something else, piggybacking on what Mark just said. We, particularly me, Rachel, you, we, the we that's here, I do feel like we're approaching this from a traditional worldview. And I want to see if you guys agree. Where I'm from, not only are the kids black, the woman that fucked the nigga to make the kids, she might as well be black too now. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Like where I'm from, you, 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 you made the, you and Piggly Wiggly with two little beige motherfuckers, <laughs> get in line with, you might as well, you come, you, you got to come to the fresh fire with us. They not fucking with you. That's the, I mean, that's just the way that, they, I mean, they not going to fuck with you. All right. Um, I will say this, though. I do feel like in today's world, in today's climate, we're approaching issues uh, with an increased complexity that allows space for maybe more and different conversations than what we used to have. We're doing that with uh, sexuality. We're doing that with gender. We're doing that politically. Isn't it fair to do that with racial identity, ethnicity, and things of that nature as well. Don't you think there's some daylight to maybe explore whether or not some of the commonly held definitions um, from the past actually serve people in the way that they want to live their lives? Yeah, I I think that's an important. So I'm going to the first part first. I think that as a cultural reality, yes, we often embrace uh those women those white women who uh have babies with black men and walk around they burn us they burn us all the time when we do that oh no no doubt yeah (laughs) and that's what i'm gonna go with it like yes we often do it again at our own peril you know you think that girl to be walking through the i mean excuse me you think that white girl that be walking through the supermarket or like you said at the piggly wiggly with scrubs on and she got on some door knocker earrings she got that short haircut she done named the baby Jalen. She did all the things that you do when you a white girl that fuck with black people, right? All that shit happens. I, I'm with you. Um, but they always have the escape hatch. They do. They can course. always opt out of whiteness. They can get them kids up. They can wait for them to get grown. They can just go another direction. When the police come, that, that's when, you know, they get less black. You know, mm-hmm. when it's time to not snitch, oftentimes they get less black. When it's time to confront certain realities, they go, well, you know, I am white. And in fairness, a whole bunch of Negroes would do the same thing if they had the escape hatch. We just ain't got it. You can't opt out of blackness in the same way. So I, I'm always skeptical. We're big tent people and I'm always open to embrace allies and people who love us and who we love. But there's still something about blackness that can't be you, you, you can't pledge grad chapter. You know what I'm saying? Like either you did it or you didn't. And 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 you can't as a white person come come on later into the scene and do it. Um, as far as the new constructs, yeah, I mean, I think we always have to think about the present reality and say, are these old systems, these old names, these old logics, these old approaches still relevant and, and effective? Can we do some new ones? 
I think though, when it comes to blackness, the answer is still nah. Mm. Right? The answer is just nah. Like certain things, sure. But but there's certain realities about our world. And one of them is that we live in a white supremacist world. We have lived in a white supremacist world. This world is organized around logics of white supremacy. And as long as that is the case, um, blackness will be seen not as the opposite side of whiteness, right? Um, but as uh, an alternative to a thing called whiteness that is considered normal, natural, logical. White people don't have a race. We do. That, that's mm. the logic. And so you can't be both sides of that. You're either black or you're not. And it doesn't mean mm. you're white mom. It doesn't mean you deny your white family. You can, you can have white family, love white family, engage, embrace white family. But again, our world is not organized around those logics. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, mm. I, I would I would agree. And to your point, Van, what you were saying, I wouldn't say I would say that our conversation is more so centered around biracial people who do not want to identify as black. Right. right. Who completely shy away from their blackness, not biracial people who say I am black and I'm white. And, yeah. and 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 embrace both both of those things because I have but you're like, not talking white. To- but you're not white. I guess that's the thing I'm pushing. <laughs> you're, you're, you're black and you have white family. You're black and you have a white mom. You're white. You're black and you have a white mom. So in in your you really don't believe as a biracial person you can say I'm both. Nah, you can't say you both. Imagine man. imagine saying you're gay and you're straight. Because you have sex with both people. Uh, right? You'd be like, no. Right? Like, see, at some point, one is a negation of the other. Well, you you would say you were bi. That's a different thing. Right, which is not straight. I i.e., and straight becomes the norm, right? So let's follow this logically out. Similarly, okay. a biracial person is not the norm, right? In a white supremacist society, that is what? White. So you can't be biracial and white anymore. You can be bisexual and straight. Because in both cases, you are doing something that by violation, by, by definition, rather, compromises the other because they're both framed around purity. Now, again, these are problematic Man, ideas. Rach, right? Rach, not, Rach, fight back. This nigga bodying you right now. It's not, it's not, I'm not trying to fight back. Right? Don't, don't let this nigga down here pipe you up to think we battle. We just talking. I, I, don't worry. I'm not. Yeah, right. I'm not. But I do. I do. I mean, again, I'm not biracial. I don't under, I don't understand necessarily what that is to go through. I, I don't know what it is to navigate through life, to have, you know, a white mother. But then you look in the mirror and you see yourself as as black. I have no idea what that is. But I, I guess I do understand the argument of I'm black. I also, you know, I'm, I'm white as well, but I identify as black. Like, I guess I just don't I don't I don't Yo, have an issue with people recognizing can I ask you some question? Seriously, why is this so hilarious to me? It's just it's 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 hilarious. The, this the notion that Stave still would look in the mirror and be like, you know, I'm white. Like it, I, I, I don't am think toxic. she does. No, I know, but no, I'm just being for real. Like <laughs> ah, I'm toxic. Mark, well, Mark. <laughs> Mark! <laughs> but can I'm, I, I'm I think toxic. she looks in the, you, you in the mirror what? and says she's biracial. And she okay. does that to other herself from black people. That's what let, I do believe she does. Let, let me let me tell yeah. you the first the first go around. I want to ask Mark. I, I, we, thank you for Mark for being so gracious with time. I want to ask you uh, one more thing. Moving off this, but I I want to say the first time I ever heard this, my first spin was this was Tiger Woods. Right, my first spin was <laughs> th- with this was ninety seven Tiger Woods 
destroys it at the Masters. We all buy golf clubs. We go out to LSU. We're doing our whole thing. And then my daddy goes, you know, that boy said he ain't black. And it's like, what? Was like, that boy said he a cockablasian or something like that. I was like, oh, my God. And you know what we collectively did to Tiger? Ah, fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, collectively, yeah. we didn't even, like, collectively, we didn't, we didn't think piece it. We didn't do none of that. We laughed and went, when is the next golf tournament, nigga? Right. <laughs> like, like, like <laughs> go out there and make us proud. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's essentially what we did. Like, you know what I mean? Also, there was no Twitter for us to dive into it. I think now, though, with the place that we are, I do think that we want a little bit more clarity on who's in this fight with us. And I think that's maybe where some of this comes from because when you do other yourself, I want to ask you about that, Mark, and then I want to uh, move on to, to the Green Party, Cornell West stuff. But when you do think about that, I feel like it's somebody that's saying, hey, that whole thing that you guys are doing, this whole normalize, legalize blackness thing, this whole our lives matter, our point of view matters, I just want to let you know I'm not a part of that when you deny your blackness or you minimize it. Do you emotionalize it like that? Do you think that that's why people have such um, a visceral reaction when Sage Steele or whomever else comes out and puts their blackness on the back burner? I think in general, I think we don't care that much, right? Mm. Like this yeah. is like a solution in search of a problem. Like, like nobody is running around trying to figure out how to navigate biracial people who don't want to ag- admit that or acknowledge their blackness, right? Or or who don't want to, because I don't want to say Sage Steele doesn't acknowledge her blackness. Sage Steele simply doesn't identify as black. She's saying I'm black and I'm white, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me, again, is like saying I'm straight and I'm bi, right? Like you just, you can't be, you, you know, I'm straight and I'm gay. Like you can't be both, right? Um, but... um. To the extent that we do have a reaction to these people, it is because I have yet to meet someone who makes a decision to say, I am not black, I am biracial, and actively advocates for the interests of black people in any kind of substantive way. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's the problem. It's, it's like, what else? Yeah. What, what, what else makes you? It's a symptom of something. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. But it's a symptom of something. So I'm like, well, well, if you're this committed to not being black, right, as your identity, uh, what's at stake for you? What's at stake for you when you make that choice? Why are you making that choice? And what other choices will you make from the position of someone who is not black? Hmm. Can uh, I ask co- you this just before you move on to this? Should sure. we just not engage with 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 people like Sage Still or whoever might take this? Take is it best that we because are we giving her what she wants? Is it best that we just say there there goes Sage again and keep it moving, or is it important that we actually address it because it is problematic? That's a great question. You know, people always tell me don't platform people. You know what I mean? Whether it's Candace Owens, whether it's and my thing is, some of these people got way bigger platforms than me. So (laughs) sometimes, like I'm not platforming Candace Owens, right? If I debate her, like she got ten times the amount of reach I have. So. In some ways, it's, I'm intervening in that space to have a different conversation. If say when Sage Steele is privately identifying as this or that, or if, I, or if I'd been to a a speech of hers or a talk she gave somewhere, um, I wouldn't have 
thought about it. I wouldn't have responded. I wouldn't have cared. She wrote a memoir. I probably wouldn't care because who's gonna read it, right? But when you go on um, Megan Kelly's platform, which actually is a very large platform, and you make these claims, um, but th- these claims now are doing a certain kind of work in the world, and 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 the work in the world that her comments are doing is to influence lots of people to reimagine in a world where people already don't don't want to be black we don't need to give people any more options right we don't need people to pull people away from their blackness because again there's no there's there's no functional end game to that and so we can't ignore it because if we do um if, if if we do, we we do it at the expense of the other people watching her and listening to her. Um, and that's what I'm really, really afraid of. I don't actually care. Stage Steele's a grown woman who's going to make her own choices. It's for me, people watching her and trying to figure out the world for themselves. What's at stake for them when they hear them, when they hear somebody say that, you know, and, and it's only us that are saying that. Right. There are no biracial people who are fighting to to, you know, to say I'm not white. You, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just black and I don't want my way. Because the white people are like, yeah, go ahead. You know, like, <laughs> like, there's no, it's, not, it's not an issue, which also tells you something, right? If this, yeah. if this argument only happens on the, on the I'm not black side, right? Um, then that probably tells you something about the yeah. value and the purchase of, of, of whiteness in this country. Uh, so before you get out of here, Mark, once again, this is Mark Lamont Hill. He's everywhere. He's doing everything. I've been watching Mark Lamont Hill literally since I was in college. Like, oh shit! I'm gonna be honest with you real quick. (laughs) So (laughs) they 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 brought Mark Mark popped up on the O'Reilly Factor because my my homeboys used to diss the shit out of me because I would watch the O'Reilly Factor. I was just fucking curious. I'd be like, really? This nigga hates Common. Like that's the one that should be. You know, like, I was like, there's other guys. Space, yeah. yeah, I'm like, it's other guys out there. I'd be like, he hates common. I, I gotta watch this. <laughs> and then Mark pops up on this. And the first thing I said was, Oh shit. They got them one. Let's see what this nigga got to say. And then Mark was on his shit. And I was like, oh my God. I used to be his ass. You used to be <laughs> bro. That's so crazy, bro. I thought one day that you would have a show on Fox because you used, you were so much smarter than Bill O'Reilly because Bill O'Reilly's thing is the culture wars. The first time I ever heard anybody say that. All yeah. the deal. I, I thought I thought it was one day it was going to be like, "Hi, Fox. This is Fox News tonight with Mark Lamont Hill," but they weren't fucking with it. They like they. Oh, no, you know, you know, you know, you know why they fired me? I mean, I don't know if you know, like Roger Ailes before he died. Uh, he he made sure I got fired because he he said I was a bad guest, and what made me a bad guest obviously was I wasn't willing to lose like 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 fox and i know y'all got to do other shit but like just say this real quick fox is like pro wrestling right it's, it is to pro rest it is to news but pro wrestling is the sports right mm. it's in the vicinity of it but it's not exactly that thing and and so you know the, the fox news approach roger used to tell me was you know we have pretty people argue mm. right which is pretty much what he did right his idea of pretty all that stuff was, you know very particular he wanted blonde white women he wanted, you know, white men with dark hair. He didn't care actually what they look like. And, and he wanted relatively young people arguing, debating, right? But the entertainment part of it also was that your side has to win. When you grow up watching wrestling on Saturday morning, right, you want to see your, your hero yeah. 
There's a Win. jobber, and then Ultimate Warrior beats the jobber. You're not, you're, you're, not, you're not watching it for the jobber to fucking pin Ultimate Warrior. No, That's no, you want Mil, you want to watch Mil Mascaras get his ass kicked by the Ultimate Warrior, right? right. And, and 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 that's and that's how you win. And every once in a while, there'll be a, a formidable match, but it's never at this level, right? This, the, the Fox News is Saturday morning wrestling. You just want to watch your guy win in in, in, rel- in relatively easy fashion. Mm. And so, imagine if, like, you know, you're watching wrestling, all of a sudden, El Conquistador just decides to just <laughs> body slam Hulk Hogan and pin him for three, right? Like that. And that's basically what I kept doing. And the difference is Bill O'Reilly's ego. And I, and I mean this with love. And I like to, you know, Bill did a lot for me, you know, you know, whatever, right? But I, I, I say this with love. He, um, he, his ego does not allow him to think that he lost. And if it did, it would only make him want to bring me on again to, to show that it was an upset. So he was down to keep having the fight. But Roger Ailes was like, nah, 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 nah. This, this nigga winning. You know what I'm saying? He probably said it just like that. So... So, so that's why I ended up leaving. I mean, they fired me for a very concrete reason. They said I had radical ties, you know, the Sada Shakur and all that shit. But at 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 the, but that was the real reason. It was you know, it was that. So I, I took I take great pride in being fired by Fox News. Mm. The same thing. I'm, I'm in a similar situation. I don't know if you know that. Oh, um, so <laughs> I heard something. About that. <laughs> uh, so uh, presidential election coming up real quick. Um, there is a third party candidate, a couple of third party, actually not a third party candidate. Uh, well, actually, he is. Um, RFK Jr. is not a third party candidate. He is right. running as a Democrat. Cornell West is running under the banner of the Green Party. A lot of conversation uh, about alternative candidates, about what the No Labels movement is doing, whether or not that's a serious political movement, um, about even non traditional candidates from the Democratic Party like RFK Jr. And there's some conversation about Cornell West. In yeah. 2016, you supported Jill Stein uh, for president. I um, did. Uh, People still you, mad about that shit. They still pissed off about it. They pissed off at you, Mark. Do you think at this particular point, do you see Cornell West as a viable presidential candidate in this election? Do you think people should be open to listening to Dr. West. He's been a very important academic and intellectual voice for a very long time. Um, when you listen to him, you can't help but love him. Do you see a potential situation, something that a lot of people are afraid of, that the left could get Jill Stein into Donald Trump skating back into the White House again if Cornell West becomes too popular and garners to a larger percentage of the vote? Yeah, that's a interesting and complicated question. I'm going to give you, I'm going to say a couple of things. Okay. You know, I, and I'm a lifelong Green Party member, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much my, all of my adult life I've been a Green Party member for the most part. Um, why? Why? Before you, before, before you get to yeah. that, just give us a quick primer on why. Because I believe in the Green Party platform. Um, and I believe, I believe that we had to advocate for economic justice, environmental justice. We had to end a doctrine of permanent war uh, that the current economic arrangements don't work, uh, that we have to pay attention to women's reproductive uh, freedoms and rights and, ju- and justice. We have to f- dismantle a, a, a criminal legal system that doesn't work. And and for me, some of these conversations that we're just starting to have on, on, on the mainstream left, we've been having in the Green Party for decades. Um, and so I've always felt like it was a space uh, for political organizing, but also political education. When you run for office, you're telling people your platform and you're teaching them why this perspective versus that perspective matters. That's the beauty of the third party political run. That's also the beauty of 
less likely candidates within the Democratic Party running. When Sharpton used to run, uh, Dennis Kucinich, who I loved and supported, uh, used to run, uh, to some extent, Bernie Sanders even, to some extent. You know, you're looking at people who are willing to offer an alternative vision that then um, that then organizes the people around different issues, but also drags the mainstream candidate to the back to the 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 edge again, back to the away from the center. I'll say, depending on whether you're right wing or left wing, away from sure. the center. Um, we saw that with Ron Paul, right? Like you, you would see these these people like Ron Paul say, "Wait a minute, I got a perspective here." And now George Bush or Donald Trump or whoever has to be accountable or responsive to it. You know, when Dennis Kucinich or Al Sharpton ran. Right. You you had to be responsive to it. You had to say something about it. You couldn't because if you get too much of a vote, well, all right, well, I'll 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 get rid of that law too, or I'll change that tax code too, or I'll end this war too. I mean, in 2008, presidential candidates were like used car salesmen, who's gonna get you out of Iraq faster? That was not the doctrine in like 2000. That was not the doctrine in 2004 yet, you know, but by 2008, you had to say it. Even even war criminals who ran for democratic office were saying it. So um let you know. We have to think about it in that way. Um, in 2016, in particular, I endorsed Jill Stein. I actually was asked to run uh, on that ticket um, as VP and, and, and declined. I don't know if I've ever said that in public, but yeah, I, 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 dec- I declined to run uh, as a VP um, uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, but not the least of which was I I, I thought me being VP on the ticket. And I didn't know who else was the option. I think Ajamu Baraka did a great job. That's my brother. This is not about him at all. Um, but when they asked me, I was like, well, I imagine you'll do better with me than without me. And I don't want to, I want to expand the Green Party vote, but what I don't want to do is create a situation where um, where we undermine, um, where, where, we, where we push Donald Trump into office. Mm. Um, that was my logic. But I did go around endorsing Jill Stein. I did go around endorsing the Green Party ticket. Now, I said a whole lot of other stuff, too, that often gets uh, ignored. People tend to take one clip from The Breakfast Club, one quote, one sentence, um, and they make that the whole of my political analysis and my it's, political It's analysis. always The Breakfast Club. Sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I... Uh, uh, shout out to my brother Charlamagne and Envy. My man, yeah, my guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them, man. I um, and 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 I I rem- and that's the one people go back to. They don't look at any other speeches, any other commentary. Um, where I also advocated strategic balloting. I, I advocated vote trading. You know, if you're in California, you can vote for Green Party. It don't matter. You're in Texas, you can vote for Green Party. It don't matter. I'm in Pennsylvania. It might matter. So in Pennsylvania, I might call up. Uh, Rachel and say, yo, you vote for the Green Party there and I will vote for Hillary here. That way we get, I still get my Green Party vote, but we don't compromise Pennsylvania. You know, I talked about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that didn't get talked about. There's one interview where I talked about it very carefully uh, on uh, DJ Vlad, which I don't like to advertise because he's the trash. But, um, I mean, really, real human garbage. But, you know, that interview is important um, for for talking about um the strategic balloting thing, even though he's the Fed. So what's with I you mean, and Vlad? <laughs> these are just I'm just nothing. Nothing. I just I just I, if I keep watching platforms where people go to jail, um, I have two concerns. One, 
I'm concerned that you keep going on a platform knowing that you do things that will lead you to go to jail, right? Individual responsibility and accountability. But if you're an outsider to our culture and you find that that your uh, platform is used as literal state's evidence, then maybe you should have a different orientation to the culture if you're one, if, if you're trying to be down. This goes back to the 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 the, the women who make the babies with the black dudes and, and are down, mm-hmm. but what does down look like in practice, right? What does solidarity look like in practice? Vlad also has a habit of of going to, in addition to just being a terrible interviewer, um, he also has um, this uh, um, this knack for always going to the most tawdry, the most sensationalistic, the most anti-black narratives that, when he interviews people, right? I mean, he can interview Chiali 10 times, and each time he's going to ask him to talk about you know, the worst parts of his journey, the worst parts of his life, because it's sensational and it gets clicks, right? He doesn't prepare because he doesn't care about that. He's John Sally on, he talks about Premier Abdul-Jabbar, he says, what was it like playing with him? And fucking John Sally didn't play with Premier Abdul-Jabbar, but you don't need to know that if you don't actually care about their stories. You, you just have to, you're just looking for clips. Um, and, and he represents, I think, the epitome of what people talk about when they say culture vultures. That All that said, um, I happened to do an interview before I knew that stuff about him. Um, and I talked about the vote trading and I talked about the strategic balloting and how important it was to keep Trump out of the White House. People heard me say, well, um, you know, we can afford to lose an election. I was making a I was sort of riffing off of a Jesse Jackson quote about voters rights where he said, I don't we can afford to lose an election. We can't afford to lose our vote. And I was saying we could afford to lose an election. We can't afford to lose our values. I mean, we have to organize for black liberation regardless. I wasn't literally saying we can afford a Trump presidency or that we should afford a Trump presidency because in the most literal sense, can we maybe, right? We can afford, black people have withstood slavery. We can certainly withstand Trump, but I don't want to make those mistakes. I don't want to make mm-hmm. those the odds. And as a person of relative privilege, yeah, I'll survive a Trump presidency. I might even benefit from it in certain ways in terms of taxes and terms of, you know, other things, but I don't want that world. I don't want a world where the vulnerable are, I mean, COVID alone showed us that, right? Like we can't be president. Um, and so, you know, while I don't think the worst critiques of me are accurate about my advocacy for the Green Party and my continued advocacy for the Green Party, um, I do wish that I had been more clear and articulate on these bigger platforms about how we can support third parties and how we can advocate for a grassroots movement. Um, I don't think I'm the reason that Trump is president. I, don't give me that much power. No, I um, wasn't. Yeah, I don't think anybody. No, not you. That. This would be big as a sign online. But oh, like yeah. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm saying, don't 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 give me that much power, and don't take away responsibility from from um, from Hillary Clinton for not running a powerful enough campaign, for ignoring black and brown voters, for not targeting and campaigning in certain areas where she was told to, for having an actual record that people didn't want to vote for. And let's not ignore the empirical evidence, right? A lot of people who voted green, if they ha- if Joe Stein hadn't been on the ballot, they weren't going to vote for Hillary. No one votes green first and Hillary second. Very few people do. If, if you're voting green, you've already made a decision that you don't want to support a mainstream candidate. You're already making a decision that you're not voting based on the horse race. And you often are voting anti-government. You're voting outsider. You're voting insurgent. And so many people, according to the data, who did vote for Jill, even in Pennsylvania, their second choice was Trump. Their second choice was Johnson. Their second choice was not the person closer, closest to them politically in terms of their political ideology. So I don't want to ignore any of that. But I want to be very clear, you know, um, if I could do it again, I would do a better job of making my political strategy clear. I would do a better job of uh, of articulating the need, the urgency of keeping Trump out of the White House as the biggest uh, 
as the biggest issue in that moment. Um, and, and I don't also want to ignore the fact that I probably, to some extent, did underestimate uh, the likelihood of Trump winning. I thought he could win. I, I just, didn't I just think so. he would win. I wasn't I, at a certain point. I was coasting on it. I'll be honest with you, and I wasn't yeah. paying attention to all the real polling that mm-hmm. was saying that was hey, sound the alarm. We got a horse race, guys. Right. Like it, yeah. it, it, it was. It was actually if you were paying attention to it and not like preparing for Hillary's victory party at that time, there were a <laughs> lot of people going, "Hey, let you guys know there's an election here." Right. Um, but I want you to I want you to touch on I do want you to touch on Cornell West. Do you see any of the oh. same things? Do you see uh Professor West as a viable candidate? Do you like what he's doing? We're gonna be talking about a little bit later on in the podcast. Yeah. Point to have here. I, yeah. I, I, I enjoy hearing Cornell on the campaign uh trail. He's my brother, he's my friend. Um I share his m- most of his political vision. Mm-hmm. Um I don't share anyone's 100%, so that's not like shade or I'm not alluding to anything. I'm just speaking in general terms. Um, I think he's uh, an important voice right now, and I'm glad to hear people talking about it. I thought it would have been interesting for him to run as a Democrat the way Robert Kennedy Jr. is and the way Marion Williamson are, because I thought that that would be an opportunity to force Biden to the left rather than just rather than them just ignore him. Um, But. I think we need a viable Green Party movement and a third party movement. And I'm glad that Cornell is running. Um, I think, though, we cannot. We cannot wage a ideological and political war against fascism. While ignoring the fact that there are real fascists on the ballot right now on the Republican side, they're like legit fascists on the ballot. Right. So I think we do have to embrace a voting strategy that prioritizes keeping Trump out of the White House and DeSantis, although I don't think DeSantis is going to win based on just how things are going right now. But we got to keep Trump and DeSantis out of the White House. We have to keep actual fascists out of the White House. That has to be priority number one. And whatever voting formation we make, uh, we have to it has to it has to result in Trump and DeSantis not not winning. Um, That is not a negotiable. I think that uh, that can look a few different ways, um, but that has to be the priority. Do I think that Cornel West could get the number of votes necessary to defeat DeSantis and Trump head on, DeSantis and Trump head on, or to defeat Biden head on? No, I don't think any part, any third party candidate right, can right now in 2024. That's not about Cornell. That's just about uh, a two party representative democracy. That's just about the way our voting patterns are. That's just the way where the funding is. It's just not a possibility. Um, and so whatever choices people make in the voting booth, I think it has to end again with Trump and DeSantis not in the White House. Um, because if we allow that to happen again, uh, and we see this as evidenced by the Supreme Court right now, we see this as evidenced by, you know, a, a range of federal, federal laws and executive orders that are just starting to be undone, uh, in the era of, of Biden, but that are, are very vulnerable. Uh, and, and we see the permanency of certain decisions. Again, you might be a, a decade or a generation, not a decade, a generation uh, before you see a, a, a reorganized Supreme Court. Um, so we have to think about those things because we have to think about the most vulnerable among us. But I don't want people to embrace the kind of simplistic narrative that Cornell is stealing votes from Biden 
Biden doesn't own those votes. Biden, we don't owe Biden a vote. Biden has to make the best argument and earn that. And, and yeah. earn that vote. Now, at the end of the day, if we get to this tension where Biden hasn't earned our vote, and we're persuaded by the third party, but we know that the third party is going to result in DeSantis and Trump. Now you have a, it's, it's, it, that can't just be an individual decision. That has to be a collective moral decision, right? Otherwise it becomes an exercise of ego. I'm talking about for the voters. I can't, I don't want to say, well, I voted green to pass the political purity test. And then I end up with, with, four years of, of Trump and DeSantis and or DeSantis or Nikki Haley, right? Um, who might be like Trump who can read, you know, or, or DeSantis <laughs> with personality, right? So we have to watch for those as well. And, and, and I don't think that we, we can't think about voting as an individual assessment um, or referendum on our political, on our political ideology. I, I don't think we can. I think it has to be strategic and tactical. Mm-hmm. Now, there are moments in history where I think the third party is the last thing I'll say where the third party makes sense. You know, um, there are moments where the Democratic and, and, and the Republican Party aren't wildly different. And we might be able to make that decision and that judgment. The problem, of course, has been the Democrats, every election, I told you the sky is falling, that the Republican candidate is the worst thing since whoever. And we can't afford to lose an election. It just so happened that in the era of Trump, it's true. Yeah. In the era of DeSantis, it's true. And so we have to make different decisions, not because we care about Democrats, but because we care about the most vulnerable. And the, and the question for me ultimately has to rest on what outcome will be the most harmful to the most vulnerable and how do we prevent that from happening? Mm. Mark, tell them, what, tell them where they can see you at, Mark. You wear a suit um, when you're on TV. I will be on, I'm on the grill every day. Uh, the Grio. Uh, it used to be Black News Channel before you know things happen, and uh, <laughs> you go there, check that out. It's called the Grio with Mark Lamont Hill. You know, we spent a lot of money on titles, and uh, you can check that out every single day, uh, Monday to Friday. Um, you can also check out uh, me on Al Jazeera. The new season starts at the end of September. I'm on Upfront with Al Jazeera, which, if you're watching the show internationally, you can check it out. You can find where Al Jazeera is. In the U.S., we don't do so well on putting out zero on cable post 9-11. So, you know, catch me on YouTube, but it's still there. But it's, it's broadcast around the world. Um, I have a podcast called Coffee and Books that people should check out. And, uh, you know, I'm still hosting BET News. So the next time there is a uh, an R&B singer dies or, you know, there's a, a police sky, shooting, you will see sky. me on your television. All right, Mark, get the fuck off the show, bro. Thank you, Mark. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. (laughs) That's Mark Lamont here, everybody. Thank you for joining us on High Alerting, bro. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, Use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Okay. Uh, Look. Let's talk, let's talk about uh, 
uh, Cornell West real quick. I want to get your your opinion on this. I watched him on The Breakfast Club. I've been following this No Labels thing very much. At this point, the candidates that are the mainstream candidates, they're not as interesting to me right now. And what I mean is like, okay. uh, you know, Biden is where he is. Trump is, to me, unelectable, unvotable for me. So I'm finding myself being a little bit more interested, not serious about, guys, not serious about, but interested in the Williamsons, in the RFK Juniors. He's a kook. I'm not trying to legitimize him or saying that I'm voting for him. But when I'm finding out and learning about candidates, I'm more learning about these guys and their movements. Cornell West is in there. Uh, I've seen some of the stuff that he's been doing. We talked about it when he declared. Um, I think a lot of the criticism about Cornell West's presidential race has been interesting in that I don't think that he is a hyper viable candidate that can steal a lot uh, of the vote. But there are people who have strong feelings. Rachel, where do you stand? I do think that he's taking away the votes. And I understand. I I listened to Dr. Cornell West and I agree with a lot of the things that he says. It makes sense to me. Um, I understand why he wants to, to run. I understand his platform of truth and justice. And I understand when he's what he says when he says Biden doesn't own votes. But we constantly talk about on this podcast about the game that the Republicans are playing and sometimes the games that we that the other side doesn't play. Because they're playing games, we have to as well. And you can't deny that there's interest with with Dr. West, that people are intrigued by the things that he's saying and people are not intrigued at all. A lot, especially the black vote when it comes to Biden and the young vote. Biden's losing a lot of young voters. Biden's losing a lot of black men. Black men gained, uh, Trump gained a lot of black men in 2020. And I would imagine that number is only going to increase as a lot of black men are dissatisfied with the Biden administration. And so you can't deny that Dr. Cornell West running or or anybody or or no labels, whoever the no labels candidates like you know, we, um, Mansions talked about that he hasn't ruled it out. Those type of people will take away votes from the left. We've seen it happen before. And so I don't want to say that he doesn't have the right to be running, but I just think right now is not the time. And I don't and I think both of those things can be true. You can like what he has to say. You can understand the movement, but also understand the fact that him running will take away votes from the left and inevitably. And because he cannot win against running uh, against Biden or Trump, you have to understand that it will take away votes. OK, so so a lot of polling shows that maybe there is a reason to be a little concerned um, 538 has a poll that says if this, like, he will take away votes. Uh, so look, getting to what Mark was talking about, there's a way to frame this. There's a way to frame this that doesn't have anything to do with a specific loyalty to any politicians or any political parties. Because when we get into that conversation, it's just very easy. Uh, it's very easy to, to unearth the truth of those narratives, which is there's not really a political party, in my opinion, that has earned blanket loyalty or support from black Americans or from progressive Americans. 
uh, besides perhaps the Green Party, which doesn't seem to be a viable party in terms of um, winning a presidential election. Um, so I think if we talk, if we start talking about ruining, uh, then that makes it feel like to some people that we should have some allegiance to Joe Biden. You guys, once again, this isn't to say that the economy isn't in a decent place. I talked to Mark Goldwine, shout out to Mark. And, you know, a lot of the metrics that you use to judge a strong economy, things are pretty good. There are other things we could be doing better on, but things are pretty decent. If you listen to some of the specific issues that Cornell West is, is talking about, uh, Biden hasn't been good on them and no American president really has been. If you're because no American president is really going to be able to govern from the standpoint of uh, the Green Party platform, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult to make America into an anti-imperialist nation. It's going to be difficult to recall our troops from around the world, have them come back home. Right. Um, it's going to be difficult to put people first in terms of housing reform. It's going to be difficult to uh, consider policies like single-payer health care or universal basic income or a lot of those things. I think some of those things are things that are possible in the future. You know, uh, my, Mark is an abolitionist. I talk to my abolitionist friends all the time about what it means to be an abolitionist. Some of them will tell you, if I got all the power in the world, I'd outlaw jails and prisons tomorrow. Some of them say that the importance of abolition is to offer a counter argument to the American carceral system so that we don't think that things have to be the way they are right now. And so that we continue to push for a society that doesn't look uh, at people um, as future wards of the state. And that doesn't mean that what we're saying um, can work. That means that what we're doing isn't working. I look at all of that stuff uh, with the, the the utmost optimism. Um, and I think that all of those are powerful statements. So a lot of what Corn Cornell West is talking about doing is really about dragging uh, a political movement or a political um, intelligentsia back to the left or away from the center and a way and to remind them that there are still things that they have to deal with. One thing that Cornell West says a lot is that Joe Biden, who we know was a major, major figure in the contemporary issue of mass incarceration, that you need people to hold his feet to the flame so that him and his party of the Democrats realize that they have a responsibility to fix mass incarceration. So I don't think any, any of that stuff is wrong. We talked to, to Mark, Michael, Mark about this. I don't think any of that stuff is wrong. I don't think any of that stuff is wrong. Um, I do think that Dr. West, who I have an unbelievable amount of respect for, and I'm not going to speculate into why Dr. West has decided to run. There are enough people who are doing that. Some people say it's a vanity play. Some people say Dr. West has money problems. All kinds of things. Obviously, if you run for president, your uh, visibility goes through the roof. You know, it goes through the roof. You're going to get a whole bunch of interviews you wouldn't have gotten. You're going to get donations you wouldn't have gotten. You're going to get opportunities to talk in places. Maybe even you write a book. The book is 
framed in a different way or it comes out with a different level of publicity. Maybe there's a documentary, all kinds of stuff, right? So all, all of that stuff is a big deal. So we'll be talking about that. I, I do think that Dr. West, who is not afraid of Donald Trump, is not afraid of a Donald Trump president. Dr. West isn't afraid of anything. I, I think it's important for Dr. West and for other people to consider whether or not other people are afraid. And if you truly caucus with people and you truly care about what they care about, then sometimes you have to consider not just their freedom, but you have to consider their fear. And if you're doing something that's scary to them, either you have to make them braver, which is going to be hard because Mark just said that there's a fascist on the ballot multiple fascists on the ballot there's a whole school of right thought that is in bed with fascism and in my opinion needs to be put down until they evolve if they ever will maybe they won't maybe it just gets worse from here uh you either have to make them braver or you you have to protect them and so Everybody has responsibilities in this. I'm not going to tell somebody that wants to run for president here in America not to run for president. But but what I would say is to somebody who I know has our best interest at heart, don't be reckless. Just don't be reckless. The consequences are real. The Dobbs decision is real. Affirmative action is real. These things are real. So don't be reckless. Um, It's not me condemning anyone or anything like that I, there's not there are few people should I say that I enjoy listening to that I've listened to as much uh, as I have Cornell West but he does have a responsibility to people other than Cornell West and that's not me telling Cornell West not to run for president Um. okay there's an unbelievably sad story out of California um, a California store owner was shot and killed over a pride flag that was displayed at a shop. I want to take a little time to highlight the life, remember the life, of Laura Ann Carlton, who owned the Magpie Clothing Store in Cedar Glen, California. There was a dispute that allegedly started over a pride flag that she had in front of her store. Several disparaging remarks were made about the pride pride flag that was outside of the store that led to a shooting she was shot she has passed away at 66 um that suspect was at the time that we were doing this for the podcast had not been caught yet but they located the suspect a little a while after that was confronted by deputies and was killed in a lethal force encounter um she had a, ch- a husband and nine children Leaves behind a husband and nine children. She owned and operated the store. And according to people in the community, she was a tireless ally, activist, and friend of the LGBT plus community. Um, only thing I'll say about this is it's all real. All of it. It's all real. 
And we don't really think that it is. I'm not going to do a whole fucking sermon. But it's real. Your words become energy. That hateful energy infects people. People get affected with a disease and the disease has symptoms. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I know that you guys think that you live in a world where you can jump on Twitter and say, I hate niggas, I hate niggas, I hate niggas all day. And that doesn't mean anything. I know that you guys get on the world, get think that you can live in a world where you can go on there, support politicians, support people, support uh, anti-LGBTQ policies where you can have a whole state that criminalizes the word gay. Basically, you can't say it. You'll lose your job, get kicked out of school, whatever. That you can push people into holes and then nobody will take that further. It just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Like this is a community. Yeah. Like this is a society. And most things lead to other things. And your hate leads to people being killed, ran away from their home, harming themselves, the whole thing. And we saw it right there. Rachel. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have much to add. It's such a tragedy. And, you know, this individual who did this, did this out of hate. And also to try to make other people fearful to stand up for other people and for what they believe in. And Laura Ann was a supporter of the community, LGBTQ plus community, and stood by them and, and you know, lost her life standing up for what she believed in and it's just scary because that is exactly what, like I, like I was talking towards the fear, right? It's hate, but they want to make you hate them too. They want to make you fearful of supporting people that they hate. And, you know, I I don't know. I don't really have the words for it. It's just when I saw this, it's just, it's so sad. It's so sad to me that you could just hate something, somebody's so much that you take somebody else's life just because they love them. I I just don't understand the thought. Right. And if I have one thing to ask people, and I'll try to do this too, think about this with your group chat mind. Not with the mind that you want everybody to see. I want people, when you think about things, and you think about the conversations we're trying to have because we don't do them all the time uh, correctly here on Higher Learning. We don't. We do them right. wrong most of the time, right? Think about right. things with your group <laughs> chat mind. And when I say that, I mean when you're talking and you're and you're really considering things, and you're with the people that you know that you know uh, are going to protect you, and you're going to say the real thing. Think about it then. Because, look, when you're in front of people, the majority of you are going to try to say the right thing. But when people know who you really are and what you're really about, that's the version of you that people are normally inspired by, that people normally put a lot of stock into. And that's the person that needs to look at this a little differently. That's Mm -hmm. the person that needs to protect and make space for people. That's the person. So when you think about, you know, any of the people that we've talked about, when you think about Breonna Taylor, um, when you think about any of the trans people that are being murdered, when you think about 
Lori and what happened to her. When you think about all of these different people, think with your group chat mind, with how you're actually challenging yourself in a real way. And I'll do the same thing. All right, that's a heavy show. But it's okay because we're going to be back. And I promise you guys, when we come back, it's going to be nothing but bullshit. It's going to be wall-to-wall stories about Louisiana. Actually, it won't be that because we got a presidential debate coming up. I was going to say, unless that's the bullshit that you're referring to, we got a Republican debate on our hands. It's you to debate, which I'm looking forward to. All right. Okay. Put your money on somebody. Who do you have on your? Who do you have money Wait, on? Who's right gonna be now the dark to, horse? Who's gonna be the dark horse? Wait. Who's taking well, the I, stage? I know. I know who the dark horse is. It's Tim Scott. <laughs> but like, <laughs> excuse me. You're right. You're right. That's who. The, that's who the dark. That's the dark horse. He should. He who, should be running as that. He. That's. See, that's the type of shit that Tim Scott's not capable of. Tim. And they would love Tim that. Scott, I'm the dark horse running. And they for would love That's it. Funny. Would they not? Like they get an excuse. They get to say dark horse. You know what I mean? Mm. They get away with it. But wait, who's taking the stage? DeSantis. Uh, it's DeSantis, Scott, Haley, Ramaswamy, um, Pence, Tim Scott, Pence. Uh, I thought it was seven. Donnie, we haven't even. Who else is there? I don't think Larry Elder's gonna make it. Um, who are our guys? Wait, it's oh Chris Christie. Pence. Oh Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Chris Christie. Chris Christie will be on stage too. So, out of all of those people, I need a prediction from you and from Donnie. Rachel, who who are you going to predict to win the debate? To win the debate, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Christy. Okay. Because that's this 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 moment is his entire purpose, right? He wants to be on the debate stage. He wants to call out people. He doesn't get Trump. Trump's not going to be there. So I'm going to go with Christy because this is what he's been waiting for. Donnie, who you got? We did forget Asa or Asa Hutchinson. Always Asa Hutchinson. Oh, or Asa, Asa Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah. So he's there too. Uh, but I'm going to say Nikki Haley. Um, oh, nigga, you like, wrong as shit. That sucks. Uh, oh, That's a terrible really? pick, sweetie. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll revisit this. Thank you for and, supporting women, Donnie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm supporting one woman on the stage. Let's go. Nikki Haley. Um, This is easy for me. This Ooh. is an easy choice for me. Vivek Ramaswamy oh. is going to fucking <laughs> destroy guy. those guys. He Donnie, is. you missed it. Last week, Van <laughs> is a total fan. You saw the no, videos he was sending us about Eminem. He loves Vivek. He follows everything he does. In the that's same way true. he follows all the, the media that Dr. Cornell West is doing, he equally <laughs> on the other side follows Vivek. He loves the man. Oh I my gosh, you, he's going to be watching it with the t-shirt on. I tell you, shut up. I'll tell you straight up right now. I'll tell you straight up right now. He's unelectable. Straight up unelectable. Okay. I would never, but he is in impressive order. It's going to be tough. Now, for Ron DeSantis, remember the uh, the memo leaked from Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis, his debate prep kind of came out. So it was like hammer Ramaswamy, be good to Trump and all of that. So it'd be interesting to see what Ron DeSantis is actually able to do being that people feel like they know his strategy but if you put these bunch of guys on the stage with that fucking snake oil salesman they're gonna get decimated (laughs) all right that 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 fucking dude talked up an alzheimer's drug got 
crazy money from the IPO. Then the drug didn't even fucking work. And he said, peace. <laughs> I'm moving on. So, like, I, this is going to be actually a fun debate. Trump will not be there. Um, uh, Before I go, Rach, I think Trump's going to do, do a whole thing with Tucker Carlson. What do you think more people oh. watch, the debate or Trump with Tucker Carlson? Oh, really? At the same time? I think I think he is. I think he said that he was going to do that. I think more people will watch the debate. I think more people. And maybe I just want watch, them to. I think more people will watch the debate. Oh, you I do really too. Do. I agree. I think more people well, are going to watch the debate. A lot of people on the left, I feel like, are going to watch the debate. So I'm not just looking at you know people who are right leaning. I'm so interested in this debate. I'm prepared to be fully entertained. I think it's like what Trump's going to say, the same stuff we've already heard. Tucker's going to do the same thing. It's like, we've seen that before. They'll watch that later on Twitter. Excuse me, X. All right. Um, Are you going to invite Vivek to your Juneteenth party next year? Shut the fuck up, sweet booty. He'll be there and he'll be performing. Oh, because you know, Donnie, (laughs) there were performances. (laughs) He'll fit right in. That would be so funny. That would be so funny if Vivek was there. But Vivek hates Juneteenth. We're going to get Vivek on here. We're going to get to the bottom of Vivek's anti-blackness. You guys, it's going to be a problematic fall on higher learning. We got Vivek Ramaswamy. We got Larry Elder. We got a bunch of people coming up to piss Reddit off. Take your thinking caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. And I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys.